yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Boy, do I have a special guest for you today. Let me ask you this. Do you have trouble with people-pleasing, saying no? I have to tell you, I am a recovering people-pleaser, and I say recovering because I'm still hoping to recover some more, and I think that Suzanne Kohlberg is just a person to help all of us with that type of topic. Uh, she's an author. She's a coach. Uh, she helps people pleasers learn to set boundaries and say no without feeling mean. She's coming to us from Sydney, Australia. So wait till you hear her lovely voice and accent. She has an online program called Why Wait. Suzanne has helped hundreds of women break the cycle of putting themselves last and instead build the confidence to set boundaries. Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Travis. Well, thank you so much for being here. This topic really interests me because I find that I'm constantly putting too much on my plate because I say too many yeses, right? And then maybe I'm not even getting the important things done because I'm trying to do all these other things that I probably should have said, no, I don't really have time for that, um, whatever the case might be. So I guess let's just start first where how you became passionate about this topic uh, and then, you know, how this evolved into what it is today for you. So so how did you get into this? Well, they do say you teach what you most need to learn so that you can learn it. <laughs> when, when one so, teaches, you learn, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sure. So I used to be, and I still have my moments, as we all do, uh, the premier people pleaser, because it was just so much easier to say yes to keep the peace. And to say yes and not risk conflict or to say yes because I wanted people to like me. Mm -hmm. And I also have had a tumultuous weight journey. Um, my parents put me on my first diet at age four. And it wasn't until in my late 30s now that I see the link between the two in that when I say yes to others to keep the peace and I'm saying no to myself, mm -hmm. then you can only do that for so long. So you'd spend all the day going, sure, yes, I can do that. Oh, that's okay. I can do that. And then wondering why I stayed up late eating chips, watching Netflix or back then te television DVDs, having a <laughs> not much respect for tomorrow, you know, staying up too late and then trying to find the right diet, the right program, the right, you know, pro forma to address my weight problem. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I didn't have a problem with my weight. Well, yes, I did, but that was a secondary problem. The primary problem was my inability to say no because I would buy the gym membership. I know you guys have a gym and it would sit there going unused because I would drop my plans to go and help others or I'd buy the treadmill and it just become an expensive clothes horse in my house because I wouldn't actually make the time to get on it. I buy all the vegetables and then they'd be wilting in the fridge where I buy cheap and cheerful because it was just much easier to have everyone eat that and I didn't have to fight with my kids. So the actual journey for me wasn't about like my weight was really secondary. 
Um, and as a result, now I've released 171 pounds, so Whoa. like an entire person. <laughs> Double high five on that! Come on, thank wow. you. I'll take yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but it's and and now too on the other side of this, when my eating isn't great, like when I have my moments that we all, when I start buying things for the kids, really <laughs> for me. Yeah. Instead of beating myself up or looking for the next program or going, oh my goodness, I'm you know fundamentally broken as a human being, which you know so many of us do. I'm like, hang on, where am I doing stuff that I don't really want to? Like, where where's something slipped past here? So seeing it as an indication of you know something that I'm not addressing, rather than a human flaw or a personal failing. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's really good, and, and I think that we went. We went deep here and and it really interests me. I'll be vulnerable and I'll share that uh, I grew up in a broken home and not having a father in my home uh, created this void in my life where I thought, uh, well, I actually compromised myself a lot early on. It led to a wayward journey where I was willing to compromise myself and I was more susceptible to peer pressure because I wanted to kind of fill that void of love and acceptance that was missing for me. And so I have noticed that the most confident people uh, seem to not have a hard time saying no, but maybe some of us that are suffering with some lower self-esteem, maybe there was a lack of love or acceptance or, you know, we're trying to fill a little void. And so we're saying yes to a lot of people because we're, we're trying to fill that gap. Is that common? Because what you described and then what I've experienced... <laughs> I'm just wondering how often that is the link to people pleasing, you know? I think that is so common because, you know, some needs are unmet in mm. our lives, particularly from a young age. And I remember uh, at one stage studying like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and like the lower order needs and the higher order needs. And they're saying, you know, sometimes if higher order needs aren't fulfilled, we can try and fill them with lower order needs. So it's like if you're eating and so many people's like, I don't understand, I'm not hungry, but mm. I'm eating. And it's like if you feel isolated or if you feel not loved or if you feel that if you were your true self, you would be, you know, left out of the cold or you've had some younger experience of, you know, abandonment, it makes sense that you're going to want to keep the peace because you don't want to risk that again. Mm -hmm. And things, coping mechanisms that as a young child were in service as an adult, we don't need those anymore, but we haven't like retrained or rewired those neural pathways that there is another way. Like me as an adult, if everybody was like, I don't want to be your friend anymore and off they went, I'd be like, that sucks, but I can make new friends. (laughs) But as a kid, you feel like totally abandoned, especially in your classroom, there is nobody else. So you're just kind of that child who nobody likes. Whereas an adult, you're like, oh, well, you know, you guys miss out. I'm awesome. I can find, but that takes a level of self, you know, self-worth, self-love, self-trust that many of us don't have or haven't been taught to foster. Yeah. I'd like to ask you about the self-analysis. Like I'm a person who believes that throughout our lives, we're many people and Mm -hmm. that still inside me is a young boy that gets triggered. In fact, sometimes uh, he's triggered at work and rather than distributing the workload, I take everything on myself because I don't want anybody to be unhappy in their work. You know, I mean, I'm the boss and I've hired these people and I don't want anybody to be unhappy. So, but I mean, recently I'll I'll look and I'll say, oh, geez, you know, I'm not getting this all done. Who should this go to and who should that go to and that kind of thing. You said something interesting. You said, uh, yes to others is no to myself. Well, that's very, 
That's very true because even in the example that I just gave, uh, so many yeses to wanting everybody to have a good day at work means that Travis has a bad night at home because he's still doing work that he could have equally distributed. Is there a litmus test? Is there a self-analysis that can be done with a person to say, hmm, why am I saying yes right now, right? Is, a, is this a yes that is really from a place to where this is a mutually beneficial win-win, I'm saying yes, or am I saying yes because I'm operating from that place of you for you, the young girl, or me, the young boy, that uh, it began early on, you know? How do you coach people to uh, observe those situations or analyze and, and, you know, properly deal with it, you know? The easiest litmus test for that, if you, so first off is noticing it. So in the beginning, you won't notice it till afterwards. And that can be another thing that you beat yourself up for. Well, here I am again, working late. Here I am again. But like when you notice yourself in the moment, like mental high five that you've caught it. But the really easy, easy litmus test is just to ask yourself, how old am I? Like mm -hmm. the part of me that's answering this. So I had a, an example recently. I, um, I had somebody default on a payment and asking people for money is such a still, you know, I run a business, you mm -hmm. need money, you know, but if somebody defaults on a payment, I will like things happen and I, I will make a vulnerable share. My family went bankrupt when I was very young. So, um, you know, to live through a bankruptcy and literally have no money and, and have things repossessed, it's, it's traumatic. And so in the moment where I had to message the person to, reorganize this payment all this stuff's going through my head I'm like pause how old am I here and I'm like I'm 16 this teenage me who's you know having this happen it's like adult me has no issues like you know things could have happened their credit card could have explained it could have been so many things mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that they don't have the money or don't want to work with me or don't you know it could have just been a simple thing so when you catch yourself and you're thinking oh yeah I'll just work or I don't want to ask them because or like whatever it is how old are you and if it, you're anything other than the age that you are now, it's like you might be responding from a wounding or a triggering or a previous version. And it just gives you that pause to be to be able to be able to ask. And then even if you don't yet have the skill set to answer, you can ask. So future Sue's, she's pretty awesome. It's like, what would future Sue's do? How would future Sue's respond to this? Which, you know, and just borrowing that version of you that is confident or is you know, a version of you who doesn't struggle with this thing. And then usually you can respond in a totally different way than in the, the part of you that is feeling triggered in that moment. Really, really good. Let me, uh, I like that term too, future Sue's. Like, like, you know, almost like saying, you know, how would my higher, my higher self respond to this? Um, let me ask you, how, would, how do you help heal from that, right? Because I... I actually even have to coach our coaches on this sometimes. We became coaches. We got involved in fitness, not because like we said, oh, what can we make the most money in? And it's like, you know, you want to help people transform their lives. So quite often coaches would do what they do for free if they didn't have bills to pay. And so when it comes time to ask somebody to sign up for a membership or become your client or whatever the case might be, um, I tell our coaches, don't, don't put your wallet in somebody else's pocket, right? You know, because like you start talking to them from a position of, you know, whatever your finances are, you don't know what their finances are. And, you know, they're clearly there to hire a coach. So they've determined that it's something that they uh, consider that they could afford. But, um, 
you know, you need to kind of heal from that. I think, you know, there's a, there's this space that you're operating from and it's not healthy. It's either the space of the child that wasn't loved enough or accepted enough. So he's taking on all everybody else's problems and saying yes to everybody. And, you know, the plate is over full, right? And, and you know, you don't want to keep on operating from that space or, or, you know, even in this example of, you know, uh, putting that traumatic experience of a bankruptcy and, you know, how that affected you and your mindset about finances. And then maybe, putting that on somebody else. I mean, heck, they just might have had an expired credit card, but why are we not, op why are we not like assuming the best, right? Um, so how do we heal from that? Like, how do we like operate more often from future sues, you know? I think it's noticing it. And I think so often we don't notice patterns. We just really good. Like I, I, how you mentioned the void before I've, you know, we have, I believe each of us have our own void, whatever it is inside. And then we tend to avoid that by whatever our behavior is eating um shopping working <laughs> watching social media so we can do that so that we don't feel it mm. and so allowing ourselves and sometimes some of these things are deep and i'm not saying like fully go and hang out there like that's not pleasant but being able to identify that whatever it is that is bothering us on this day might not be this exact event, but it might be something that has happened previously that is actually what's bringing this to our attention because there's other things. It's it's really funny. Um, sometimes I will teach workshops in people's programs. Like I, I work fully online, but I remember um, there was a lady I did her workshop for and we got on about 15 minutes beforehand so her and I could chat and just be prepared. And then I could just sense something wasn't quite right, you know? And I was like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, I don't think anybody will turn up. Like all my people, they watch stuff on the replay and I'm really worried that I've wasted your time. I said, first of all, nobody wastes my time. Like that's my choice, you know, what happens with my time. I said, and second of all, people always turn up when I teach. Like it's just a fundamental belief that, that I hold. And it was funny. So 14 people came, she was blown away. And then she told me afterward, oh, there's only 18 in the program. <laughs> but you know it was kind of like it's never occurred to me that nobody would turn up mm -hmm. and I think sometimes when we have the beliefs or when somebody questions something that is just the truth for us we don't or even if they didn't turn up as I said it's not a waste of my time my time's never wasted um but if you ever mentioned anything about money or weight like if someone's like oh something for that that's a tender spot for me that might bring something up and it's just, we, I'm not saying that we go around with trigger warning signs and whatever, because we don't know what triggers who. Every person has different experiences and different things growing up that you might say something totally off the cuff that to them, they interpret in another way. But it's just being mindful of, you know, which, which part of me. And, and if it's being brought to your attention, like if you can feel it, then you can heal it. So sometimes mm -hmm. stuff that that's really good. deep. Can we say that again? If you yes. If you can feel it, you can heal it. That's good. And I think what's so good about that is often when something comes up again, we can use that as a stick to beat ourselves. I thought I'd recovered from this. I thought that this was, um, you know, that I know better and all this sort of stuff. But it's like this is a new layer to this. Like that money thing that happened to me recently – that hasn't bothered me in so long. And instead of being going, oh, like I, I should be better by now. It's been so many years or whatever. I was like, oh, some new layer to this that's ready to be transformed now that wasn't ready before. Mm, that's so good. 
if you can feel it, you can heal it. Um, you know, shout out to the people at uh, Sedona Soul Adventures. I, I went to Sedona, Arizona one time and I just went with a, a series of practitioners just on this soul adventure, right? And it was, uh, there was this one lady, she was a licensed psychologist in California, uh, but then she became a life coach in Arizona because, you know, sometimes the license doesn't transfer. And she actually liked coaching better. It wasn't as restrictive, right? And, uh, <laughs> but uh, she asked me uh, to kind of picture, you know, where's that kid at? that's hurt, that's missing a father, you know? And um, so she challenged me and I, I pictured myself. I pictured myself when I was younger and I was laying on my bed and I was upset, I had been crying. And um, it was because a friend of mine, um, you know, he couldn't play that day. He lived right across the street, but it was because he was gonna have a special time with his dad. And, you know, so mm. I went to see what they were doing. They're playing catch in the yard. And it was something that I didn't have a father to do that with. And so, you know, I was upset, but you know, what the uh, interesting challenge that was given to me, and this goes, and I share all that to, if you can feel it, you can heal it. She wanted me to keep that imagery in my mind long enough to now let my higher self hug that child and tell him that he's loved and tell him that it's okay. And, and you know, when you're triggered, you know, can you sit with that long enough to feel it and heal it? Because, you know, like, you know, it's almost like you can go back and you can recollect a piece of yourself that maybe got left behind. Um, now, I want to talk about the uh, part that you were saying about this person that invited you to do this workshop, and they're operating from this place of scarcity, like maybe nobody will show up, and you're operating from this place of abundance. Like when I speak, people always show up, right? Like, you know, how do you as a mindset coach help people to shift uh, they're thinking where they're not limiting and they're not like expecting the worst, but they're expecting the best, right? Like, is there, is there an exercise? Is there a practice for that? You know, how do we get there? It's, I loved how you labeled it scarcity and abundance because, you know, that's how I talk to to people about it as well. And, you know, I must admit, I'm not totally down with the law of attraction thing like I'm not like you know you know but there's parts of it but we we tend to find evidence for to to prove our beliefs true like what is a belief a thought that we've thought over and over and over again mm -hmm. so if you think like nobody listens to me when I speak like you know I tell the children it's time to go to bed and they don't listen and then you say hey it's bedtime and they ignore you <laughs> and then you're like see <laughs> I'm right so we might not necessarily get what we want, but at least we get to be right. So mm -hmm. it's like that self-righteousness. So it's like I invite people to look for areas where um, the opposite could be true. So for people pleasers, a lot of us, you know, have uh, in like, that nobody appreciates us or that nobody, um, nobody ever does anything for us. Like I know that was something I used to say a lot. Nobody ever does anything for me. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is it that is that really true or do you not notice like if someone says hey i love your shirt oh this old thing oh i really appreciate you know you bringing the food over oh it's easy for me i was it's just a bit extra like we downplay so it's like noticing in the moment how much is available and that you just distort and delete and don't even take it on board and then when you do notice them celebrate them no matter how small they are like if you go to the shop and you 
get to the checkout and you don't pick up candy, like celebrate that. Because what you'd normally do is like, well, I shouldn't be buying candy anyway, or it doesn't matter because next time I'll buy it. Like when you're really in that scarcity and not enough mindset, you're going to have scarcity and not enough. Whereas if you're in the abundance mindset, oh, and this is a lot of my healing, my personal healing around money and, and enoughness with money. If I get into a real spiral, um, I can be in a real scarcity hole, but it's like, I have enough for today. Like, you know, I might not have enough for six months from now or a big nest egg, or, you know, if we go into a recession or whatever panic thoughts come, but, you know, do you have enough for today? Yes. And I think, you know, the small wins and the small abundance and like, you know, I went for the walk today, I drank the water today and, you know, then starting that again the next day allows that abundance to grow and stretch rather than always looking for the evidence of, you know, where you don't do enough or you're not appreciated. Well, that's really good. That's really good. You know, uh, I want to talk about a couple of those things. Uh, first, nobody does anything for me. You know, when, when we say things like that, there's usually a root, isn't there? You know, like, uh, you know, kind of going back to the idea of if you can feel it, you can heal it. So when somebody maybe who's listening right now, listening over Nation, listening to this podcast, and you're like, oh, I've said that before. Nobody does anything for me. I feel that way. Ask yourself, where does that come from? You know, when you picture that in your mind, how far back are you? Like, are you, how young are you, right? Wasn't that something you said? Mm -hmm. How old are you? And also yeah, another one you can ask is, is it yours? Because sometimes we just mirror and parrot what our parents or our teachers have said. It's not even ours. We've just picked it up. So no one ever does anything for me uh, is my mom's. It's not mine. <laughs> so good. Was that something that was taught to you that you just, you're now just mimicking in your own life? Okay. And uh, this celebration of small wins, and you, you mentioned the, the law of attraction. I mean, there's science for that, right? Like, it's called your reticular activating system, right? Like, if we, if we just take time to shift our focus into oh, what we have, we can experience more of it. But mm -hmm. if we shift our focus into what is lacking, then we're going to witness more lack in our life, right? I mean, it's just really... Where are we directing things, you know? Um, yes, but I think where the law of attraction irritates me, you know, like I'll be honest here, is I think sometimes people take it to mean, oh, I just like checks in the mail. Like they've read The Secret or watched The Secret. I just, you know, it's like, yes, your thoughts are, you know, hugely fundamentally important, but also you do need to take some action. Yeah. <laughs> it's not magic. It's yeah. kind of the marriage of both. It's kind of like when you look for evidence of the things that you're doing, then you take that action. It's kind of like, well, so say, for example, we're recording this at early in the morning, my time. I, I didn't have physically enough time to do my full morning walk because we were going to be recording, but mm -hmm. I still went out for 30 minutes because that's what I'd had the time for. So it's kind of like, and then I can add, and then from that place of, you know, having done something later on today, I can find a window and fit it in, or I feel better as opposed to, well, I'll just skip today and do it tomorrow. I'll skip today and do it tomorrow. The, you know, the law of attraction, my thoughts are all about this. And it's like, yeah, but there's the, there's both like one hand in the one foot in thinking and one, you know, foot in action, you know, so that yeah. you create the thing rather than just sitting around hoping for it. Yeah. So good. So good. I, I totally agree with you. You know, it's, I'm not a, a big believer in that I'm just going to imagine a BMW in my driveway and it's going to appear. However, I do think that if I if I know, like, what are my big five for life? What are my big five for 2023? Um, you know, what am I recognizing right now in my life that I can celebrate? 
uh, that's moving me in that direction. And then when I get to the end of 2023 and I see that maybe five out of five or four out of five or three out of five happen, well, guess what? They happened because of an awareness that I created. You know, there was a, and that to me is the law of attraction. That's as far as I'll go with it. You know, like I'm not. <laughs> But yes, it's, you've got to be open to it. And I think that's something too, because if you're like, nothing good ever happens for me, nobody ever considers me, like whatever, you get to be right. Yeah. You don't get, you're not happy and you're not where you want to be, but you know, you like that self-righteousness, it's like, see, and I think, you know, when we're trying to make changes, whether it be to our weight or our bank account or our own business or something, if we, the, the thoughts that we plant our seeds in, if we're thinking like that this is never going to happen and it's not going to work for me or whatever, it's like we're planting in Roundup. <laughs> it's like poison and then it doesn't grow and we're like, we, we, we don't get the result, but there's something about that I get to be rightness that, you know, is kind of like a half price. Yeah, maybe they should be, maybe the person that is attached to negative outcomes and attached to being right about negative outcomes Maybe they should be asking your question of how old are they? Because mm -hmm. was it that they were let down, that they believe that the all of life should be a letdown and that they just want to prove that to people, you know? Um, really interesting. So let's talk about the program. Why wait? I, I like the way that it's even, you know, uh, you, you can explain a little bit about your logo and uh, whatnot. But uh, yeah, how, how does that program work? And, and, you know, what do you do in it? And, and tell us a little bit about it, if you would. So originally I was a weight loss coach and mm -hmm. when I created my program, um, why wait, people assumed it was a weight loss program because it's the, the logo, it's a W and an eight. It's actually in the logo style and in infinity that's up on its side, but keyboards don't allow for that. So <laughs> I just put an eight in there, but I rebranded last year uh, to teach boundaries and people pleasing and this sort of stuff because what the crux of the program is, what are we waiting for? So often we're waiting for the right time. We're waiting for, you know, after Christmas, after our birthday, when the kids go to school, when the kids leave home. Like if you're looking for a reason to wait, you're always going to find one. And mm -hmm. it's fascinating. We're about at the time recording this, we're about halfway through the current cohort. And what I love about the people I work with is like, be truly honest. Like this is a place where you can, you know, there's no judgment. And so a number of them have spoken up and said, I wish I hadn't signed up for this round because, you know, I'm not going to share their stuff, but personal circumstances are happening, you know, in their lives. And I'm like, what if this is the perfect time for you to have signed up? Mm. And it's like, what, what do you mean? Because life's always going to happen. Like when you see programs like The Biggest Loser or any of these transformation shows or people go to a retreat, like I'm not knocking retreats or things, but I, I, I went to one and I was like, I did yoga, I ate organic everything, I juiced this. I was like, when I get home, I'm going to be a new person. When I went home, I regained all that weight within a week and I was like, oh my goodness, I suck at life. And it was like, because when you're in a retreat or when you're on a show, or when you're away from your everyday life where you've got no responsibilities, no work, no family to care for, no meals to cook, it's easy. But what why weight is about is making the changes amongst whatever else is happening in your life. And it doesn't need to be all day, every day. Let's focus purely on you. Like I released 171 pounds with my husband working fly in, fly out, a child who was one and three and one-year-old just face it, never slept. <laughs> like it was about doing the things and it took three years. It wasn't like, let's go to a camp and bunch a bunch of weight off in a couple of weeks. But like joining the gym, 
putting the kids in the crèche, seeing their sad little faces pushed up against the wall, crying, Mummy, come back, and dealing with that guilt, that knowing that the long-term effect of that would be in benefit to the whole family. And it's funny because last year, or the year before now, when we had the lockdowns, like my children are older now, I remember them looking at each other going, Mummy needs the gym. (laughs) So the transition from please don't leave us crying to like they know that when I feel better, I'm so much more pleasant to be around than when I've reached my tether. Like, you know, and identifying what is in your control and what isn't rather than putting everything onto the circumstances. I wasn't taught this as a child. Um, This is not how we are. And yeah, so the program is about looking at everything that's going on in your life and how you can make yourself a priority and that self first isn't selfish. Um, And now is always the right time, but the steps that we take and the things that we celebrate and why wait are so small that anywhere else you'd probably be embarrassed. You'd be like, oh my goodness. But in our program, it's like, this is amazing because we realize the compound effect of these little changes over the time. And the program goes for 10 weeks, but it's not a go hard, go home. How much can you do? It's, you know, what is going to be the lifetime effect of this far exceeding when the program is finished? So 10 weeks 10 weeks of life happening and just staying with it. it. You know, I totally agree. That's so much better than, you know, just going for a few days where you're out of your environment and you don't have what comes at you in your normal home life or business life or whatnot. Um, so, you know, you're helping women cope. And I think that's such a great response. Yeah. You're, and is it just women in the program? Yeah. Just women. Okay. All right. And you're helping women cope is such a great response to say, well, what if this was the perfect time? You know, what if this is a conditioning for you to have challenges and then still stay on track? That is just excellent. I like self first isn't selfish. Self first isn't selfish. I wanted to make sure to highlight that and repeat that. Um, Let's talk about that. Is there a teaching in your program? Um, You know, I mean, what do you try to encourage people about the benefits of putting themselves first? Well, we have a whole module about self-care. It was actually the one that I taught this week. And it's always fascinating. And I ask people, you know, what does self-care mean to you? And a lot of people will say, you know, bubbles and massages and holidays and all this sort of stuff. And then we get really clear on how much of this is self-care and how much of this is aftercare. Because, you know, when we go too far into burnout or into, you know, going beyond then, now I'm not knocking those things, like they can be self-care, but what really is self-care? And then, you know, self-care to me is making that doctor's appointment that you don't want to do because you're like, oh my goodness, you know, this thing's coming. I just kind of ignore it, you know? And it's like, if that was your child, if that was your partner, like you would be organizing it today. But for us, we often, and, you know, imagining if you were a vehicle and you see the light on, you know, like the oil light, you're like, well, it's fine. <laughs> and all these lights are coming on. And then next thing, there's something coming out from under the bonnet. I think you guys call it the hood like you know (laughs) and then you literally have to pull over it's like no 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 self-care making the doctor's appointment you know having your wellness checks going for the walk not going oh it's too hot oh it's too cold i'll do it tomorrow you know eating the nourishing meals like these things they take time you need to meal plan you need to shop you need to prepare not going oh if only i had a personal chef oh if only i had all this it's like what working with what you have and then actually following through and not letting the the scarcity of not enoughness because I was like and that's the other thing I say to people okay let's imagine you had all the money in the world like you're as rich as Oprah 
if you if you hired the personal chef, if you hired the personal trainer, if you hired the live-in yoga instructor, if you hired the person to slap biscuits out of your hand, you know what you would do? You would just fire them. You would fire them and you'd go and drive through Maccas. Like, let's really play this through, <laughs> you know? Money isn't the issue. And people are like, I kind of hate you at the moment, Suzanne. I'm like, that's okay. You know, you don't have that's to like okay. me. Likes a button on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Likes are for Facebook. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I love that definition, self-care versus aftercare. Um, you know, when we're taking care of ourselves, we can take care of everyone else better. We know that, right? When we love ourselves better, we can love everyone else better. Those are important points to grasp. But, you know, I've never heard that differentiation explained so well, because you're saying to these women, you're saying, don't tell me what you're going to do after you're trying to save yourself from burnout, right? Like, you know, the vacation, you're going to tell me what you're going to do on a daily basis, right? Um, so what do you think are best practices on a daily basis to help somebody with self-care? So the, I encourage people to pick what I call their pennies, which is something so small that it, you can't not do it. So say, for example, and I know you have a fitness business, so people wanting to do some sort of you know exercise or movement. And then what they normally do is go, I'm going to work out six days a week for an hour. And I'm not knocking that, like, okay. But if you're currently a couch potato, there is a long way there. And what usually happens is you plan it, you start Monday, something happens, something happens. And then you're on Friday and you're like, if I work out six hours today, does that count? I'll do it next week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, what is the penny? What is so small you couldn't not do it? So mine is I put my shoes on and I walk to my mailbox and people are like, oh, do you have a long driveway? I'm like, no, it's 12 steps. And they're like, what's that going to do? <laughs> I'm like, in and of itself, it's going to do nothing. But once I've put my shoes on and I've headed out the door, I normally keep going. So the penny is not the goal. The penny is the the smallest thing. So my self-care is always shoes on because I can do that even if I'm sick, even if I've had no sleep, I've been up with my child all night, even if whatever, I can do that. And from there, if I said to myself six hours a day, uh, six hours, one hour a day, six days a week, I might do it once. But if I say shoes on to the mailbox, I can do that every single day. And it's amazing how many days I keep going. Like I remember just yesterday I'd had, I'd been up with my son. He wasn't well. And I was like, oh, it would just be a mailbox day. And then I was like, oh, the end of the street. And then I was like, and then once you're in the rhythm, it's like so many things, you just keep going. So like the self-care, what is the smallest thing you can do for you? I'm going to eat one piece of fruit today, or I'm going to drink one glass of water today and celebrate that and be excited about that. Because from that place of, I've achieved something. If nothing else happens today, <laughs> I've achieved this thing. You're much more likely to keep going. It's funny with the exercise thing. Some people have had like, I'm going to do one sit up or one push up. And then message in the group and said, I'm going to bed at 10 o'clock. I was like, oh, I haven't done my push up. Rolled out of bed. <laughs> Did the right. push up. Then you go to bed thinking, I'm on, I'm on top of this. And then tomorrow you're from that place, as opposed to going to bed thinking, is this another thing I can't do? I suck at life. And then it's so much harder to come back from that. So the penny is the bare minimum that you can compound rather than the goal, which is like, oh, no, nah, I'll do it tomorrow. The penny. Boy, that's such a great concept. I mean, as a fitness business owner, a franchisor, I study uh, the idea of how do I keep people going long enough to reach their goals? And many people believe that maybe it's, oh, well, I, I really, uh, I get them to work super hard and sweat a lot and 
really diet down and make a lot of progress in a short time and they're going to love me. Well, you know, the truth is uh, that the studies have shown that if we can keep things moderate and, you know, not intense, that you're going to have a greater exercise adherence, right? So like if we can keep the goal small, if we can keep it doable, like that's how we keep going for the long term. Uh, so the penny, what a great concept, really good. All right, so um, I want to make sure that people know how they can get involved in your program. Like how do people find you or uh, find the program? So my website is suzannekohlberg.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-C-U-L. B-E-R-G. So if you go there, you'll see um, all about the program. I also have a, I've also have my own podcast. I love how yours is Overcomers. Mine's called Over It. <laughs> <laughs> so I recently started that. So, um, but there's all sorts of details there. And if you want to message me at all, send me an email. I must admit, I will be honest. I teach boundaries. I don't respond to DMs. My phone is for memes and jokes. That's it. But um, I'd love to email. So if you took something away from this or if you have any questions, send me through an email. Um, I'll get back to you, you know, in a couple of days or whatever. But just whatever whatever concept you take, like you, you're always doing your best. Your best gets to get better. And when you're like, oh, I've tried so many times before, why would this time be any different and all that sort of stuff? A, a thought that has revolutionized my life is circumstances have changed and so have I. Like, you know, everything you've done up until now, you did from, you know, what you knew then. When you know differently, you can do differently. So it's kind of like this penny thing, it sounds, you know, your brain will tell you what's this going to do. That's okay. Your, your brain offers you all sorts of thoughts every day. You don't have to attach to them. It's just like, yeah, because I had lost and gained and lost and gained hundreds of kilos. I even wrote a book about it. That's also on my website if you want to check that out. <laughs> but what what really stuck was these small changes because what you do consistently and persistently is who you become. And I know what it's like to go all in for a few months, lose a bunch of kilos, tell myself I'm fixed and then regain it all back. My obsession with weight was kind of like Disney princess, you know, you see before and after and you read before and after stories. And then you're like, well, what's wrong with me? Um, so yeah, if you end up reading my book, you'll read before, after, before, after, before. <laughs> so, um, I get it, but it's kind of like, there is a way, but it's what is the smallest amount that you can do that doesn't feel too much for you. So let's talk real quick uh, for our audience. Uh, what can they expect to hear on the over it podcast? <laughs> So um, uh, it's funny. I talk mindset and my co-host, Christan, talks minerals okay. and all sorts of things. We we talk about um, business and building a business because we're both entrepreneurs. We talk about like, I think the latest episode that come out is when uh, self-soothing becomes self-harm. So how something that we can do, you know, to, to soothe ourselves done to excess. Like you can watch an episode of Netflix and have a piece of cake and be like, this was great. I really enjoy this. You can eat an entire cake and binge an entire season and be like, this is getting in the way of the rest of my life. So, you know, when when we get over ourselves, like our own behaviors, and we realize these things are coming to our detriment, how to slowly start digging ourselves out of that is what the Over It podcast is all about. Really cool. Really cool. And uh, if people want to buy your book. Uh, the title and uh, I mean, it sounds like this would be a great book for people that are. Oh, I don't know if the title's allowed on your show. It's a little bit risque. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the beginning is shh, uh, an unapologetic weight loss memoir. Best way to find it, 
type in Suzanne Kohlberg. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, all the places. Um, if you go to my website, you can get the first two chapters for free and that won't sign you up to my list. I believe in marketing consent. So I don't like it when I sign up for something and get 5 million emails. So you'll literally just get the two chapters of the book. But um, yeah, word to the wise, if you're looking to self-publish and you put a swear word on your title, it makes it really hard to find. So <laughs> well, search for the author. <laughs> oh, that is great. That is great. Well, uh, Suzanne, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing with our audience. Uh, I We will definitely put the link to your site and your email, uh, everything in our show notes so that people can engage with you, get into the Why Wait program, change their lives, change their mindset. So many good takeaways. I have a ton. Overcome a nation. I hope you do too. I mean, there's so much there. If you can feel it, you can heal it. Uh, self first is not selfish. The difference between self-care and aftercare. Lots of great lessons today. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you so much, Travis. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah! Come